Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. So, I can't live in the past with my past accomplishments. Let me give you a perfect example of that. If you're a football fan, NFL, what happens after the Super Bowl guys, what happens usually the next year? Rarely do they ever what? Repeat. Why? They're always living, we were Super Bowl champs last year. Well, I don't live last year. So I have to learn to forget the good things that I've done. They're good. That's wonderful. It's good accomplishments. Why do I want to forget it? Because if I don't forget it, I get this, the big head. It's fun to look back at positive accomplishments in our lives, to reminisce about the past. In the same way, remembering failures isn't quite so pleasant. The danger for us in either of these situations is in spending so much time focusing on the past that it keeps us from living where we are and planning for the future. Pastor Mark, using the example of the Apostle Paul, is teaching us about the importance of living in the present. We need to learn to put the events of the past, both good and bad, in their proper perspective. When we do that, we can become useful people for God. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 3 with part 1 of his message, straining forward into my future. Now, we're going to study God's Word. If you're new, we'd ask you to get a Bible. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, if you're not used to a Bible, we'll show you where to turn to and how to get there. Just raise your hand. We'll give you a Bible. And you can turn to the New Testament, Philippians, Philippians, Philippians chapter 3. And let me just challenge you for the next few moments, because sometimes we forget this. Now, I have a picture that you're used to if you drive a car. But I want to ask you a question as you look at this picture. All right? Everybody listening? Now, three of you. Is everybody listening? All right. Very difficult questions. You have to put your thinking cap on. Which is bigger, the windshield that looks to the future... Or the rear view mirror that looks at the past. Which is bigger? The windshield. windshield. Is there any sermon application in that? Hello? Yes. Yes. So I can leave now? We're done? Who said yes? Who said said yes? No, but that's a principle. Let me ask you a question this morning. As you look through that that windshield, what's in your future? What does God have stored in the future for you? Well, we really don't know, but we know the future is good. And we know that God holds our future. So today, Paul is going to challenge us that we need to look forward 
for what God wants to do in our lives. Now, for those of you that are, well, maybe new and you never even turn your life over to God, man, there's excitement. But we've turned to Philippians 3 to learn what Paul, who is a in prison, and he's writing to a church that he established. We begin in verse 13. You've turned in your Bibles to verse 13. Paul says this, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You see, Paul says this, after walking with God for many years, Paul writes his congregation as if I would write you and say this, spiritually, I haven't arrived yet. Paul says, I'm not satisfied with my spiritual growth in my maturity. I know that I need to keep growing and progressing. So that's true for all of us. It's good that Paul didn't stand and say, I'm now perfect. Go for it. We'd all be discouraged. But Paul says, even after all these years, I haven't arrived spiritually. I haven't become what God wants. Now, you see, God is really wants us to be mature. He's not into perfection. He knows we'll never be perfect. I've served God for more than 60 years. I have to say to you, like Paul, I haven't arrived yet either. By the way, I'm in good company, because neither have you. So Paul says, I'm going to give you, the church, three steps to continue this spiritual progress. To grow more like Christ. To be more like Christ. To minister more like Christ. What's the first step Paul said? He says this, number one. I need to forget... I need to let go of my past. Paul says, if I'm going to go forward, I have to get past, listen, I have to get past my past. Now, when you see the word forget, in our English language, it gives us the wrong interpretation. Paul doesn't mean this. Let's say you're here today and You've had three divorces, and you've had an abortion. You used to be a drug person. You have all these things in the past that you failed at this. You've done. This. Paul isn't saying, forget them. In other words, when you think about somebody says, well, how'd you do in your past? I can't remember anything. Nobody's like that. You remember if you had an abortion. You remember the divorces. You and I remember the good things as well. So what's the word forget mean? The word forget means this. To no longer be influenced by or affected by those memories, good or bad. So I have them. I can't forget them. But they no longer grab me. They no longer affected me. This suitcase is my past accomplishments. As you look in the rear of your life, all of us, we all have things we've accomplished. And the danger of living in the past, and here's how you know a person lives in the past. They say this, well, in the good old days, well, they may have been good. How many remember gas? 25 cents a gallon. How many remember that? Okay. Any, any going to go today to the gas station and get it for 25 cents a gallon? No, those were the good old days. But I don't live there. I got to fill my car up with what? 350. Praise God, it's not four. Hallelujah. 
So, I can't live in the past with my past accomplishments. Let me give you a perfect example of that. If you're a football fan, NFL, what happens after the Super Bowl guys, what happens usually the next year? Rarely do they ever what? Repeat. Why? They always live in, we were Super Bowl champs last year. Well, I don't live last year. So I have to learn to forget the good things that I've done. They're good. That's wonderful. It's good accomplishments. Why do I want to forget it? Because if I don't forget it, I get this. The big head. Prideful. Man, look what I did. I built that. Look at that, man. Or I get stagnant. I don't move forward. I'm just living in the past. So Paul says we have to forget those things. They're there. God help us accomplish them. But we don't live there. Second, let's change the suitcase. This suitcase is my past sins, failures, hurts, unforgiveness to people, regrets, and guilt. There isn't a person listening to me this morning that doesn't have those. So what am I going to do with these sins and failures and guilt and shame and regrets? What am I going to do with them? Well, I have to forget them. You see, they lead to two things. They lead to condemnation And they lead to discouragement. I get depressed. I begin to think I'm a failure because I failed. Well, all of us have failed, but we're not failures. Now, we learn how we forget. This little bungee cord is important. This little bungee cord represents our mind. The way we think. You see, as a man thinks in his heart, so he becomes. The battlefield spiritually for all of us is our mind. It's what we think about. And so what happens is, when we ask God to forgive us and ask his forgiveness, does God forgive us? Hello? He does. That's a promise of God. So God forgives us. But two weeks later, three weeks later, we see something and Satan brings us right back. Whoops. Right back. Where? Right into my. And I'm going, hmm. Did he really forgive me? Man, why did I do that? I can't forgive myself. What a stupid thing I did. So what did we learn last week? How do I combat that? You combat it with the truth of God's word. Satan lies, God speaks the truth. Well, if I've asked forgiveness, he forgives me. So he doesn't hold it against me anymore. Why should you hold it against you anymore? Learn from it and move forward. Now, how often do I have to do that? Every time he brings a sucker right back into my mind. By the way, does he do it often? (laughs) You already know the answer to that. Over and over again. So that was number one. Paul says, I have to forget those things that are behind. My sins, the good things, all of those kind of things, I have to forget. Now, at the end of the service last week, somebody sent me a little email. And they gave me a great statement. Lewis said this. Continuing to beat ourselves up over our failures does not honor Christ, who has already been beaten up for them. Wow. In other words, why should I continue to be condemned over my failures when I've asked God to forgive me? He has, 
Jesus went to the cross and was beaten up for my sins and failures. So we need to move on. What God designed us to do was to live in freedom. Freedom from my past. Well, is that it? If I'm freed from my past, is there anything else I need to do? Well, I rewrote the verse because Paul didn't get it right. So here's the Balmer translation. Here's the Balmer translation. Look what Paul is really saying to us. He says this. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, and then Paul says this. I've done that, so mission accomplished. Then Paul says this. Now I can just do my thing. I can live to please myself until God takes me to heaven. Hallelujah. Have a nice life. Is that what Paul wrote? How many wish he wrote that? Raise your hand. Come on, be honest. Those who didn't raise your hand, you need to ask forgiveness right now because you've sinned. You see, I, I don't want no. I don't want somebody directing my life. I really want to do my own life. So do you. Don't look at me like that. But Paul didn't write this. He didn't write that at all. He said, no, there's two more steps. We're going to get the second one today and the third next week. So take a look at the next verse. Let's go back to it and read it. Verse 13 again. Look, at look. he says this. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, notice the next word, and straining toward what is ahead. So the second step, first step is forget what's behind. Here's the second step. Please write it in all your notes. Straining forward into my future. What is my future? Being mature in Christ Jesus. Being more like God. So the key word will be the word forward. When you're looking at that windshield, you're looking forward. That's the key word for all of us today. So as Paul is continuing to forget his past, good and bad... He takes the next step by looking into his future. Paul, by making this next step, refuses to stand still. He refuses to get spiritually stagnant. Now, Paul's not unrealistic. He knows he's never going to accomplish it all. He knows he's never going to be perfect. But he's going to move to be spiritually mature. You see, Paul was a goal setter and he he wanted to be more like Christ. And yet, at the same time, he wanted to accomplish everything Christ had for him to do. So accomplish that, we learned last week, if I'm going to go forward, I have to let go of the past. If you're going to be useful in life, No matter what you've done, you have to let go of the past. One day, Jesus met a woman at the well. He began to talk to her. She didn't understand who he was. But as he began to talk with her, he said to her at one point, go get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband, which is a half-truth. Jesus said, I know you don't have a husband. You've had five. And you divorced five times. In fact, you're living with somebody right now. Now, in many of our churches today, what will we do? Who won't even talk to that woman? And Jesus said this. Would you like to have your life changed? Would you like to have forgiveness? Would you like to have living water? Here's what he said. Would you like to put your past behind you? What do you think she said? I'm pretty happy with it. I don't think so. 
he never mentioned her past again. He said, let's go forward. So if you're here this morning, if you're going to have any kind of success in life, you have to let God deal your past, and then we move forward. Now, what does God want to do in our lives? Well, he wants us to become more like him and minister like him and to be useful for him. And that's defined in lots of ways in the Bible. But one of the ways it's defined is John 15, 8. It's a passage that you need to understand. This is key to your life. So Jesus says this in John 15. When you produce much fruit. So if I'm a Christian, I'm going to be like a great vineyard. I should be producing good grapes, good fruit. By being attached to God. When you produce much fruit, that's a key word, much, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Now, what is fruit? Pastor Mike, am I supposed to go to Italy and be a vineyard guy? Bring wine to Jesus? Is that what we're talking about? No, fruit is an effect of God on my life. Let me give you five of them this morning. You don't need to copy them down. Just think about this. Fruit is bold witness. In other words, if I witness for Jesus Christ, I'm being fruitful in my life because I'm going to expand the kingdom. Uh, Fruit is godly character. Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness. When I have that fruit, when I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not perfect, but I look like Him. And then it's good works. Ephesians 2.10. God didn't save you to just do your thing. God saved you and me to do His thing. And it's using your gift. We operate these campuses with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, actually thousands of volunteers. That's the only way it can operate. And so that is a fruit. Then generous giving. We give to God. 10% off the top. We give to God our tithes, our offerings. We don't complain about it. We love it because he gave us 100%. And we just give 10 back to him. It's all his anyway. We just love to give to God. And last what you did this morning. It's called, in Hebrews, the praise, the fruit of my lips. So when we praise God, we're being very fruitful. So just think about those. We're going to take a seal a moment. A seal a moment just means this. Be quiet and think about it. I want you to think about it. Look at this line. This is the progression that should be happening in our lives. Before you're a Christian, no fruit. Impossible to have fruit. As you become a Christian... Fruit, more fruit, much fruit. Godly praise, witness, character, giving, good works. Much fruit, much fruit, much fruit, much fruit. How you doing? It's a pastor Mark, what does that have to do with anything? What has to do with a lot? One day, I'm going to stand before God. So are you. And he's going to say to me, how'd you do? And I'm going to give a response For fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. I'm not going to defer to somebody else because I'm not standing next to you. I'm standing before God. Now, it has nothing to do with my salvation, but I'm going to need a response for the opportunities God's given me, the finances he's given me, the giftings he's given me, and my time. I'm going to give that response. So how are you doing today? What Paul is saying is we have to move on and be more effective for God in our life this year than last year. I've been doing this 60 years, more than 60. i got to continue to ask God to help me to be more productive for him. So that's a good thought. That's something that Paul's talking about when he talks about maturity. He's talking about healthy growth in a believer. Paul understood the necessity 
of moving forward, not standing still and thinking, well, I made God look good 10 years ago, but not really, you know, I got too many things happening now, not really happening in my life. No, that's incorrect. Now, I want you to listen to this statement. This is a very powerful statement, and it has so many applications. When God came to live in your life, when you became a believer, you know, he comes to live inside of us. What do you think he was going to do inside you? Do you think I was just going to come and go, if you ever want to talk to me, I'm here. Or do you think God had a plan? What he wanted to do? Sometimes we don't understand it. And C.S. Lewis says it so powerfully. Listen, when I invited Jesus into my life, I thought he was going to put up some wallpaper, hang a few pictures. Well, I'm home now. Hi. But he said this. But I discovered he started knocking out walls and adding rooms. I said, I was expecting a nice cottage. But he said, I'm making a palace in which to live. You see, when God came in you, he didn't come in you just to go, have a nice life, bomber. Enjoy it. No, he started knocking down walls. He expanded my life. He changed all kinds of things in my life. He wanted to make me move forward and be more like him. I'm not the exception. All of us are the same. So this teaching this morning is going to knock some walls down. It's going to challenge you to quit looking in the mirror backward and go forward. So get ready. Put on your seatbelt. We're going to go forward. Well, I don't like it. Too bad you're already here. We're going forward. All right. Now, when you think about that, what does that mean? Remember, the second key was, there's a key word, straining. What's the original word straining? In the original language, it means straining or stretching. Same word. Paul says, I have to stretch or strain forward. That automatically says to my mind, "Uh uh-oh, there's going to be continued effort. There's going to be some hard work. You so we don't become spiritually mature by osmosis. Well, I've been in church 40 out of 52 times. I'm mature this year. No, we do it by, say it with me, we strain. We strain. Say it again. We stretch. Any of you that started an exercise plan, when you go there and you have a trainer... And he stretches you. You want to what? Kick him in the head. That hurts. Cut it out. My leg doesn't do that. But over time, what happens? More flexible. Well, I'm going to strain you today. Smile for Jesus, would you? All right. Now, look at me. This is very important. Why the word strain? Why does there have to be hard work with it? Come on. I mean, God's God. Why can't it just be easy? Pastor Mark reminded us today that the life of a Christ follower has to be thought of in the long term, not the short term. Because of that, we have to let go of the things that keep us from being the most useful for Jesus' kingdom. If we don't throw off our baggage from our past, we will not be in a position to bear fruit. Our witness to the world will be stunted. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. 
We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue the teaching straining forward into my future. We'll keep hearing about the need to work at and to exert ourselves as we strive to be more like Jesus. We will be reminded about the importance of reading God's Word and to meditate on it. And we will be told what some of the characteristics of a maturing Christ follower are. Well, we wish we had more time today, but we'll have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series, Contagious Outrageous Joy. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.